eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And it is, I don't know how you feel about this, Perry. This is my favorite week of the football season and it's not to discredit any of the other phenomenal matchups that we'll see you know Packers Bills is the game I've had circled on my calendar since the schedule came out but my favorite rivalry in all of sports is the Packers Bears rivalry and the games always at Lambeau Field are in prime time and it's just gets the juices going it's it's the best rivalry in sports wow and look at you all all amped up (laughs) Uh, I'm just excited the Packers are back at Lambeau I love the season opener at Lambeau. I feel like it always has a special energy to it. But yeah, having the Bears be the team also probably adds to it. And I mean, I think it's just, you know, maybe it's because I live right on the border of Wisconsin, Illinois, but I have like an admiration and respect for Bears fans. And I just appreciate the history. Like you can't talk about the Packers without George Hallis and you can't talk about the Bears without Vince Lombardi. Like it's, it's special and it's historic and I even when there's been times where the Packers have been bad or the Bears have been bad, like it's still something that, you know, both teams like get up for, like they're ready for the Vikings fans. I don't feel that way about, I don't feel that way about the Vikings franchise. So two very, very (laughs) different franchises. One is deeply rooted in history and has like built up what we know as the NFL today. And the other is a little bit newer and has an empty trophy case. So very, very different franchises. But I agree with you. I love the rivalry. I think it's so fun in its ancientness. And uh, it's going to be really fun to see Justin Fields at Lambeau this year. I don't know why I'm extra, extra pumped about that. Um, We can dive into it all, but I don't know. There's something about, I don't know why I'm, I'm rooting for this young player to be magnificent and I think it's just to make the rivalry like fun again yeah I mean this is literally the 17th consecutive season that the Packers and Bears have played in a primetime game it's the 205th game 
oldest rivalry in sports. The Packers now, obviously, with Rodgers, have a 103-95 to edge with six ties. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the rejuvenation. Um, The Packers Unscripted podcast was talking earlier about how, like, when Lovey Smith got hired many moons ago as the Bears head coach, the first thing he said was, like, I want to beat the Green Bay Packers. Justin Fields has made comments about that as the Bears starting quarterback. Like it's just ingrained in the rivalry. Roger said when he started, the Bears had like a 20 game lead in the series. And then he comes and, <laughs> you know, take, takes over. Like it's, it's just ownership. <laughs> it's, yeah. Partial ownership of the franchise. It's just fun. And, you know, it's probably not going to be the best game um, of the year by any stretch for either team, but just the history around it. It's always a, a fun game to circle on the calendar because you know, it's going to be special. Yeah. And also historically it's been a pretty easy Packers win, which doesn't, which we like for, for those who root for that team. Um, I do feel like as much as I am rooting for and excited about the talent that Justin Fields brings this bears team is very, very much in like a rebuild scrappy mode, right? Like we don't look at this roster and it doesn't strike fear into our hearts. So we are feeling like this is a game that the Packers like must win. Okay. So I, I wanted to actually start the show like this. So I'm glad that you brought that up before we dive into like the X's and O's and the offense and defense. Is this week two game a must win for the Packers? Can you call a game in week two, a must win game? I'm not saying it's a must win because they lost last week. And I'm not saying it's a must win because it's, it's certainly not a week two. I think it's a must win because of the caliber of opponent. So like if you're losing to an opponent who, you know, is not a playoff caliber, who is not a contender and you don't come out looking sharp and like you're the better team, then yes, I'm concerned about this team. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I think we're in agreement there. Cause I, I hate to call any game a must win in week two, but the Vikings game, you know, we kind of going into it, thought it could be a close game. It could be a toss up given you're without your starting right tackles, you're away. It's a brand new offensive minded head coach for the Vikings. Lots of variables there. You've got week three away again against an NFC contender in the Tampa Bay Bucks. So we talked about it on the the recap show earlier this week that this wasn't, you know, the chicken little sky is falling yet as far as losing to the Vikings, but it sucks that you lose to an NFC division opponent. The Packers cannot afford to start the season 0-2, two behind in the NFC North, knowing that another NFC opponent is away next week that they could likely see again in the playoffs. So for not being a quote-unquote must-win game as early as week two, it's about as must-win as you get because the Packers cannot afford to start the season 0 and 3 against three NFC opponents. And I don't think they will. I don't I, think I, they will either. I but. don't think that they will. <laughs> I agree clarify. with your your logic, but like laying it down, I, I do not think that the Packers are going to lose against the Chicago Bears at home. They're just two different teams, right? Like they're just two on completely different levels. And that's not to say that the Bears aren't going to put up a fight. And it's not to say that the Bears aren't going to score points against this Packers defense because they very well will but I just don't view them in the same tier and like the Vikings to me was a coin flip like you said this was a game that we knew was going to be close the Vikings have very good offensive weapons they have a very good pass rush we saw all of that and they outplayed the Packers and it was a bummer to start the season 0-1 but at the same time losing to the Vikings wasn't necessarily a surprise whereas with the Bears like I said it's just not the same level of opponent. 
I think the thing that makes this game really interesting too is, you know, Matt LaFleur almost had the advantage when he started. He's obviously 6-0 and now against the Bears. But, you know, going into that first game in 2019, he was an unproven commodity. And there's no, like, film on these guys. Matt LaFleur said last week they almost did too much prep against the Vikings because, yes, you have the, the footage of O'Connell with the Rams, but there's no tape and there's no, you know, real yeah. understanding yet. Everybody's playing vanilla schemes in the preseason. So, you know, maybe Matt Eberflus has like a little bit of a, a an advantage there going into it because there's not a game plan for him. But I agree that the, the caliber of talent around these rosters is way different. Yeah. And I think that's the difference here, right? Like sure. Just like the Vikings did, the Packers have, a couple of coaches that have left. So both these opponents have some level of institutional knowledge. Um, but at the same time, it's just the level of talent. Like the bears do not have a Justin Jefferson. They don't even really have an Adam Thielen. I guess Darnell Mooney is in that category, but it's just, it's a completely different team. Um, and you're on your home turf right now. Vegas has the Packers as nine and a half point favorites. So Vegas feels good about the Packers. I feel good about the Packers. You said it pre-show. They have to go in there and kind of like, I, I kind of expect this maybe to be a bit of an ass kicking. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, I mean, not to, you can't use any type of, you know, history as a trajectory for things that are to come every season. You know, you basically call a wash, but... When these two teams have met, at least the last couple seasons, it's been really high-scoring games for the Packers. And you you mentioned it on the game recap when we recorded live on Monday. It's just Matt LaFleur doesn't lose back-to-back games in the regular season. Yeah. And yeah. I think he averages like a 14-point victory in those bounce-back games. So what better team to kind of you know wet your whistle against and get into the groove of things than a Bears team that And I mean, you know, you can talk about the quagmire that was Soldier Field and the weather conditions and how tricky that was. And, you know, give the Bears credit because nobody thought that they were going to win on Sunday. The 49ers are a good football team and the 40 and, you know, the Bears took care of business at home. But I just Rodgers is pissed. Your whole defense is pissed. pissed. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. Like this is. You want to talk about, we talked about energy a lot with the Vikings game. If you want to keep that same narrative of energy going into this game, I'm imagining a very hungry and a very angry Packers team. And unfortunately, the Bears are going to get like the brunt end of that. And I don't mean, again, like I'm not trying to downplay this team. This is a professional football team. I do believe they're going to move the ball. I do believe that they're going to score points. Like Justin Fields has a very good arm. They have, you know, a nice wide receiver running back duo, but the Packers are a better football team than the bears are this year. And that's simply just the truth. And I I think there are also a couple of things that we can kind of dive into this a little bit more now. Like there are a couple of things that I really feel like they can exploit here. And the first thing that comes to mind, right. Is that they, the bears have two rookies in their secondary 
right? They have Juan Brisker starting at safety and they have Kyler Gordon starting at corner. And I hopefully, you know, another week under the belt, Alan Lazard comes back. You're going to get an Aaron Rodgers who's maybe a little bit more comfortable behind that offensive line. Maybe we get Elton Jenkins back. Whatever the case is, I think this offense is going to feel a little bit more comfortable going out and picking on two rookies who are literally in their second start ever. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we factor in crowd noise and you've got, you know, Matt LaFleur made a joke about the horn um, at U.S. Bank. So you're at home now. So you don't have to like rely on your silent count because, you know, unless Packers fans, you know, do the wave when the team's on offense, which (laughs) we've seen them do, it's not going to be a concern. So the elements are all in your favor. Every negative that we pointed out about the matchup, you know, going into week one, the Packers will have the flip side of that advantage now going into week two. So I think, you know, the comfort level is there. And Rogers, I think kind of said it best when he said like, we don't really have a choice, you know, like we we've got to get this thing turned around regardless. It doesn't matter about his comfort. It doesn't matter about the O-line's comfort. It doesn't matter about the rookie receiver comfort. Like you got 16 games left. So you're going to run out of time pretty quickly here to turn things around if you don't start making the necessary steps each week. And I think we'll definitely see a bounce back this week. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, again, like there are only a couple of guys that I think you really have to watch out for in this game, which is sure Roquan Smith, but he's not necessarily the same linebacker he used to be. And he certainly isn't happy with the team. So I don't know if that affects his play, Although I guess he wants a new contract, so he's probably pe- playing for the new contract. You know, you do have Jalen Johnson, who is a s- solid enough cornerback, um, you know, except for when he played against Devontae Adams. <laughs> you have Robert Quinn, right, at the at the D-line. But there there isn't the same juice, I guess, that the Vikings brought Um, You just have to hope that the Packers offensive line is going to be able to hold up a little bit better this week than they did last week. And again, I think there's like a continuity thing here. If they're going to be playing again together, they've got the whole week together to practice. They only really have one edge rusher to contend with. I think there is going to be a little bit an easier task for Adam Stenovich and for this offensive line to hold up and just give Rogers a little bit more protection. Now you also hope that, the wide receivers and the running back, all the weapons have kind of also gotten some kind of game plan down a little bit better than last week. So Rogers doesn't have to hold the ball. He can get the ball out faster and everything's going to be working a little bit more in sync. I think that's what I'm looking for going into this game is just a little bit more tempo, a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more feeling like this team has something chugging along on the train. I'm imagining a train. <laughs> and I think, you know, some of the offense, you know, you can make cases that there's some, there's some different pieces there. Obviously they drafted Bellis Jones. EQ came in from the Packers. They lost Allen Robinson to the Rams, but largely quarterbacks now the same, you know, his, his primary receiver in Darnell Mooney is the same. He's got David Montgomery in the backfield. So your kind of core offense, I guess, is the same. I think the biggest question marks are like you said, on the defensive side of the ball, traded away Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Akeem Hicks is with the Buccaneers. So there's a lot of moving pieces, especially in that front seven. And I think that that's where the Packers need to capitalize. The The complaint that we had all of last game was, why aren't the Packers running the football? And yes, again, you can talk about field conditions on Sunday, you know, with all the rain at Soldier Field. But the Bears defense gave up 176 yards on the ground. 176. 
And if Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon at that point don't go for 300 yards on the ground, something is wrong. Like, you you know, they've set the blueprint here. So the Packers needs to stay true to who they are and use that, that running offense to open up things like the quick passing game and the end arounds and the jet sweeps and get back to the LeFleur offense that he likes to run. Yep. RPOs play action. Exactly. I feel like that should be the game plan, right? Especially when Matt LaFleur said after a game, like there is no world in which it's okay that Aaron Jones only gets eight touches. I think there's a stat that when each of them touched the ball 25 times, the Packers are like 10 and 0 or something like that. So we know when you go through both of those running backs, it's a recipe for success. And the more I think about like the identity of this team, the more it feels like it lies within those two players. And that's not a knock against any of the wide receivers. It's not really a knock against anybody except for the fact that those are your two stars. You have drafted and developed two of one of the best running back duos in the league, like not hyperbole. They just simply are. And you want to ride that as much as possible. And also I thought in talking to Andy Herman, who is a much better offensive line, you know, viewer than I am, it it became pretty clear that the Packers offensive line was also just run blocking better than they were pass blocking because yep. they were tired and they were getting like just beat up by Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And Rogers was kind of holding the ball a little bit longer, which meant they had to pass block a little bit longer, but run blocking, you saw the big chunk plays that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon were able to get. And it just, it also like, gives the Packers offense the control of the game, right? When you're controlling the time and the amount of time you have the ball and the line of scrimmage there, like you're going to probably be more successful and just like own that game a little bit more. So I agree with you through the running backs. Yeah. So that, that stat that you're, you're referring to is it's when AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones combined to touch the ball at least 25 times. And you know, there, there was a conversation about it on Twitter and I kind of, I took issue with it because everybody said, well, yeah, when you win as much as the Packers do, you start running the ball to burn the clock and your running totals go up. And I, I take issue with that because I think had the Packers like stuck true to the plan in week one, they would have had the privilege of running the ball because it would have opened so much more for the offense. So sometimes you like, they're not mutually exclusive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You, Mm -hmm. yes, you can run to win, What's, and but when you're winning, it also helps you to run the ball. So you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Where I don't think we can just attribute it to, oh, they're always winning, so they're always running the ball. No, no. I think they the, it's a chicken and the egg. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There we go. And go pack up. Go pack up. Go pack up.